Yo, I'm Emily, and I went to the 23rd annual Lotus Festival this Friday. Hey, I'm Abby, and I did too. For those of you who don't know, Lotus is an annual world music festival in downtown Bloomington, and I've been every year for four years. As have I, as we've been going together. This year, starting Friday and running as we speak, Lotus is 70 activities, 35 performers, and 12 venues. It's pretty huge. It's incredible. So we just kind of wanted to celebrate our history of Lotus and the fact that Lotus exists with a show of American Student Radio today. From Bloom... <laughs> from... Uh, okay, live... Li- what is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is... This is... This is American Student Radio. Real chill. Real chill. Aliens. Conspiracy journalism and lesbians so according to maslow's hierarchy of needs the second most important factor in sustaining happiness is security which encompasses the subcategory of shelter without the shelter of venues what would lotus festival be our first piece today is an inside view of the true debacle the venues committee faced this year Okay, I'm gonna go. Okay. That's Crystal Ritter, the head of the venues committee. I'm gonna go check for sure. Okay. Um, currently in this year, I am in, I believe, my fourth year of chairing what is called the venues committee for Lotus. My committee is a group of volunteers that comes together. We help coordinate the logistics of the festival. So setting it all up, tearing it all down, um, coordinating, getting lighting and sound in, risers for the stages. It's a lot of work, but we have a lot of dedicated volunteers that make it all happen. Has anyone called the house manager? No, I am going to. My name is Lucy McKean. I am on the venues committee, sometimes known as Spice. I think we're going to get there an hour early. Yes. You know what I mean? It's going to be a halfway city. They're not going to walk in like normal. Yes. It's not going to be like you handing the keys to the car to... Yes. Yes. (laughs) You're going to be like, you need lights over here, you need power over here. They haven't done a sound check yet. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I've been on this committee for... I think I've been on the committee for 11 years, and one year before that, I was just a volunteer on the setup crew, and uh, this was by far the most challenging and then kind of the most interesting experience that we have had. Being on the venues committee, we face challenges every single year. The day of the festival, there's always things that are going to pop up. There's things that come up with electricity or somebody parks a vehicle somewhere that blocks the whole entire backstage area and leaves it and we can't find who drives that vehicle. So there's always little things that are going to pop up, but I think that's with any event that you plan. No matter how much you plan something, things are going to happen. But that's one of the great things is everything always just seems to work out. There was a big delay from one of our major vendors and like, I don't know, 12 hours from when we thought that things would be done. And so all of our volunteers and all of our committee members really had to scramble to figure out how to get everything done 
around the pieces that weren't done yet and still have everything ready, the venue ready for the musicians to take the stage in the evening by the time they were going to take the stage in the evening. Around 8 o'clock usually we start getting our volunteers that are checking in for the day. Um, volunteers work a six-hour shift, um, so they check in at 8 a.m. They're there for six hours. Our volunteers totally stepped up to the plate. We had many people that worked extra shifts or certainly extra hours. Now we're going to need to have eight people so we can pull it back into the corner, right? One, two, three, four, five. Radio check. Good. You don't really need eight. We can, we can you, do we it. May, we may do it with like five. All right. Ready? And we're back in the way. So. Uh, can I get someone from the back line, please? Yeah. Like this. rainstorm arrive in the middle of things with lightning and so we not only had to like get under shelter we had to actually get into a building because of the fear of a lightning storm. We, we were screamed at um, for a second to get inside immediately it was kind of a perfect storm of issues related to putting the venues together and we got it done. It's happening. Bonus never fails. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Emily Miles. All right, and we are here with one of our producers, Sophia, who actually volunteered at Lotus this year. So, Hello. Yeah, um, this is my second year volunteering, so it was really exciting. Last year I was at the volunteer headquarters, so it was kind of just sitting around all night so this year I was actually at a venue I was at First Presbyterian Church and I had a lot of fun so what was your experience like what were your responsibilities so mostly what we were doing we were like one of the smaller venues so we were making checking people's uh, wristbands to make sure that they were allowed to get in we were monitoring doors to make sure because it's a church you have to be a little bit quieter monitoring how many people are in there so ours was like the folk music venue so it was like you really got to be quiet but it was really uh, I got to a chance to see all the acts that played that night so it was really good awesome and you were kind of you were kind of part of the you were in the know you were <laughs> kind of in it you know as a volunteer so what was the spirit of lotus like from that perspective it's it's like wonderful because you apply obviously but then you go to this orientation there's been people who've been volunteering for like if not the like for the whole 23 years that like that Lotus has been going but like for like 10 years but you're all kind of on the same level cuz like you're all at different places every year you're all doing different things so it's kind of like a really good community cuz you're all there to have fun to listen to international music and you kind of make friends and then like at the end of the night like with all we were all walking away and we're all like well, maybe see you tomorrow bye and then uh, you get a chance to talk to all the people that are going. I had a really nice conversation with this older man between acts at our venue, and he was just talking about, like, all the different stuff he was going to see, and, like, I don't know, we were just talking about music and art, so it was great. So I understand you had sort of um, a celebrity encounter this <laughs> year. I did. Uh, so 
I feel like in every town there's like a celebrity that has some kind of tie to the town that everybody has a story about seeing them. <laughs> and so I finally got a chance uh, Friday night at the First Presbyterian Church. Um, for those of you that don't know, I believe uh, Jesse Eisenberg of The Social Network, most recently of Now You See Me Too and Batman <laughs> v Superman, Dawn of Justice as Lex Luthor. Um, not that I'm a <laughs> big fan. <laughs> I just know this kind of knowledge. Uh, his girlfriend, wife, I'm not exactly sure. Um, she lives here. Um, her mother is up involved with Middleway House. So he's seen around sometimes. And so like last night I was doing entrance exit monitoring and my other, the volunteer I was working with, he go like, we're, they're not supposed to bring water into the venue. So he points out to one guy and he goes, um, so you can't have water. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you can put it over there. And then as he passes me, I'm like, ah, that's Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> um, and, like, I mean, he sounded exactly like he does. He talked really fast. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, I'll just leave it here. And I was like, and then as soon as he walked in, I was like, do you know who that was? <laughs> and he was just enjoying some folk music. Some, it was a group. Um, it was a duo from England. And they were, they were really nice. And he came. He came back for the, the second time they performed, so I don't know. <laughs> Must be a fan. Yep. Yeah, so, so I understand, like, volunteers get sort of a, a pass for a free night. That must be pretty nice because the tickets aren't exactly cheap for a student. I'm, yeah, I, the first year I went, um, so I've gone for three years to Lotus. The first year I had, like, subsidized tickets from my dorm. Like, it was only 10 bucks. I think, how much are regular tickets? Um, I think it's, like... Around 60 for both nights, 40 for each night? So, yeah. So then the next year I was like, I don't want to pay that much money. But if I volunteer, I go one night and then I get in a night for free. I get a t-shirt. And I still got to see a lot of the acts. So, I mean, I think it's a, a really fun thing to do. It's a really good community of people. And there's all sorts of, for like volunteering six hours of your time, like on a Friday night to get in free, like, and not pay $40, I would say is a, like, great but yeah and I know that one of the things I did at Lotus one of my activities was spending a lot of money while I was there um, I spent so much money um, during Lotus just at businesses downtown like a shameful amount I'm actually kind of scared to look at my bank account and I know a lot of my friends feel the same way um, and actually one of our producers Sheila looked into how Lotus affects businesses in downtown Bloomington World cultures, great food. Beyond these elements of Lotus Festival that are seen while walking down Kirkwood Avenue, there's another ingredient that goes more under the radar. According to lotusfest.org, this tourism-heavy weekend brings an estimated approximate $500,000 into Bloomington every year. Julie Warren, the Bloomington Visitor Center Director of Tourism, broke down where this money is going. I can't speak directly to the amount that Lotus is mentioning. I think there's probably includes the cost that they spend on running the festival, which is, you know, certainly significant, and then how much people are spending on tickets. But we know that when visitors come to town uh, for leisure travel, so not necessarily for a conference or for um, participating in a sporting event, 
um, that they're usually spending around $73 or so per person per day. So if they're here for multiple days, it can, I mean, it all, of course, just really adds up. They're spending money, of course, on, you know, like a hotel, um, going out to restaurants, some shopping. So that's direct expenditures and in tickets to festivals and concerts. Um, but then, of course, that all trickles down to some of the other sort of second and third level um, economic impact areas. So, uh, for instance, like the the restaurant um you know, their employees, their, what they pay their employees, but then also they might use a service, a linen service to do, you know, clean their um, napkins and tablecloths and things like that. So all of that sort of funnels down. I also talked to Brad Dunn. Hi, I'm Brad Dunn, the general manager of the Uptown Cafe in downtown Bloomington. And he said Lotus brings a very diverse crowd to Bloomington. Lotus is a really fun attraction. I know it brings in a lot of guests it's a kind of a wild crowd for us in the restaurant business. You get all walks of life coming from all over the world. He also said that though Lotus is a huge tourism event, in many ways the Uptown Cafe operates the same as usual. One of the things that we noticed uh, working in downtown is when there is a big event like Lotus, the influx of visitors actually displaces some of our regular business. So even though it is a big weekend, I think things in a way even themselves out in terms of the total revenue of this establishment. The university itself um, and, and all of the surrounding businesses have such an international flavor, even though we're in Bloomington, Indiana, um, you know, in, here in the Midwest. The town already has a very cosmopolitan feel. And so I think uh, it's a really natural fit for uh, visitors looking for a certain type of experience. Those visitors also look for a place to stay, and the hotels in the downtown Bloomington area are a prime pick. Shane Mobley, the director of sales and marketing at Hyatt Place Bloomington, said that the traffic of festival visitors gets distributed among the hotels concentrated downtown, but the increased business is still significant, especially for Hyatt Place. I've worked in Bloomington hotels for over 10 years now, so I've, um, I've seen Lotus go from selling the entire city out to mostly it being the downtown market. But what Lotus has done with at least the Hyatt place, we're, our, we're the only Hyatt brand in this market. So when we first opened um, and were open for Lotus Fest 2014, we didn't have a high occupancy because we weren't a well-known brand at the time. This is our third season being open for Lotus Festival. And like I said, we only have a handful of rooms left. So we've seen our occupancy increase drastically while a lot of the um, other hotels in the market are probably seeing a little bit of a decline because again, because there are hotels downtown where years ago it was just Courtyard and Hilton, now they have Spring Hill, Hyatt Place. So there are four hotels downtown versus two. So we're starting to see more people come here. We're on Kirkwood. We're a hop, skip, and a jump from the event. Mobley said that preparations for Lotus Festival began nearly a year in advance. Years past, and we did so this year as well. Um, we work with Lotus Fest and Sunny. We've done packages before where they, you know, pay a, a X amount of um, dollars for each room night. They get tickets to the event. We work closely with the community throughout the year to prepare for it. 
with our hotel having a 24-hour Starbucks, having an on-site bar, and being able to order food 24 hours a day, we do see a lot of foot traffic from people coming in. It's kind of day-to-day with recruiting season going on and football season. It kind of falls in between football games and, you know, Hilly 100, things like that. So Lotus Festival is, you know, while it's still a high demand, we kind of treat it as like a football weekend, and we just make sure we have things ordered properly, we have enough staff, we know that the bar is going to be busy with people heading out to the, um, the event. According to Dunn of Uptown Cafe, the town's transformation during Lotus Festival makes it an exciting time to be in business. It's, it's a blast. You have a festival outside, you have uh, all these colorful people, you have uh, street performers, jugglers, I think there were some aerialists. It's really a fun atmosphere. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Sheila Raghavendran. All right, so fast fact in the line of hotels. The high school Abby and I attended sends a few buses of kids up to Lotus every year, and the students spend pockets full of cash. This time around, one of the buses broke down before they could get back home to Evansville, Indiana. So they had to camp out overnight at a Bloomington hotel. Thank you for your hospitality, Courtyard Marriott. (laughs) I'm so glad I was not on the bus this year. I would have been really sad because I know you're so tired after Lotus. You just, all you want to do is just go to bed. So, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't stranded um, not being able to go home. Um, So Emily and I, junior and senior year at high school, would take us to Lotus Festival. um, And I remember it being, like, the biggest deal. Everyone was so excited to go to Lotus. People would talk about it, like, up until the actual event um and it's really cool because now um we go to lotus and we see people that we knew from high school who graduated years ago everyone still goes people are so into it it's awesome yeah it's actually really strange seeing like old teachers seeing the new teachers who teach there now seeing kids who i just remember as freshmen and now they're what juniors and i'm like what? <laughs> what's scary is that next year um they'll have like kids from our high school are going who we haven't met before who are not who are like too young for us to have gone to school with so we're getting old man we're getting old and one of the like wacky great things about lotus is it really brings people together like not only like internationally but just like community Mm -hmm. um and one of the ways you know i ran into my old spanish teacher and one of my friends and i had a conversation with her about how we can't believe how much she really helped us in learning Spanish uh, and how, how grateful we are now that we're at, you know, university and taking high-level Spanish classes and just, you know, Lotus is is what brought us back together so we could really thank her for that and catch up. Yeah, um, one, of my, one thing I remember from high school is that the band that everyone always wanted to see was the Movitz or Movitz, however it's pronounced. But um, I remember that since... Like they're usually the last ones to play, and we have to. We had to leave at eleven o'clock. People would petition the school to let us stay to the end of their set, but it never quite happened, which is understandable. It took a two-hour bus drive back, but um, I remember this year I was able to stay until the like the full move it set. So I was really happy. I got to experience it all because there's nothing sadder than having to exit the tent before move it's are done. Oh my gosh, because it's so high energy. I actually didn't stay for move it's this year because I'm the lamest person there is. <laughs> but like going previously they weren't here last year last year the headliners kind of was tune yards which was rad but um but the year before that Movitz was here and like I hadn't listened to them prior but like getting into it was crazy I, I had never heard this music but the energy that they create oh my gosh it's incredible and it's like 
you don't understand. Like, I mean, I guess I was like, oh, they're singing in Swedish. I'm not going to understand the lyrics. It's like, I'm not going to be into it. But then, really, when you're listening to international music, you realize that doesn't really matter. It's just about the energy they create, the actual sound of the music, and, you know, like, the meaning and, like, the significance of the song and the significance of the moment, like, totally transcends, like, language barriers. And so it was truly incredible. Um, And it was, like, I remember, like... My freshman and se- uh, my freshman and sophomore year of high school, just being so excited for Lotus, and it totally lived up to it when I finally got to go. Yeah, and it's part of like that signature experience, and I feel like it just wouldn't be September wouldn't be September without Lotus, and signature wouldn't be signature without Lotus. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a tradition, and so I'm really glad that we can still kind of share it with people that and like one thing that was really significant for me um, is that all of our friends came down who go to school nearby came down from Purdue um, and IUPUI yeah to come like experience Lotus with us so it's just like something that binds us all together as friends and um, as people who've known each other for what like six years now mm-hmm. um, something that we can all share and it's just like when, when we're back together, it's like no time has passed, and it's just incredible. So yeah. I'm really grateful. And we're back with, like, the kids who still go to SIG, and we're back with, like, freshmen. Um, Abby and I are sophomores now, but um, we're back with, you know, freshmen who came from SIG and are now at IU. And it's like that community is reconstructed. It's yeah, special. And it's just like this little like microcosm of a time where we can be back together we can have like share this shared experience and we can just have a great time dancing to move it all together student radio we broadcast live on wiux 99.1 fm bloomington every sunday at noon you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram by searching american student radio This week, we asked our producers to sing a short bit from their favorite pieces of international music. I'm going to sing this in my speaking voice pitch because it's a man song. It's, um, Dans le port d'Amsterdam Y'a des mères qui chantent Les rêves qui le hontent Au large This is a song from my favorite Bollywood movie. The movie is called Kuch Kuch Kodahe. The song, I'm not sure what it's called, but this is how it goes. Basically, the guy and the girl are calling each other crazy. Lucy and they're Hispanic Gracias a ti, hoy soy feliz. Cuando is from Latte Indian. To la vie, so rapparella summatam. Oh, cooler, de Latte Indian. And now, back to the show. Hey there, our next piece more broadly looks at international music in the U.S. ASR producer Noni and one of her friends dive into the significance of Chai Town, an all-male South Asian a cappella group based at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Oh, hi, Trey. This is my good friend. Um, so recently I was at your uh, 
appartement with your roommate Cordy and um you guys ended up <laughs> watching videos um of Chai Town for a really long time and so my interview today is actually going to be a little bit about that. We're talking about international music and stuff like that. So we're covering different styles, um, Pan-Asian, but I think Chai Town is very specific. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of wanted to ask a little bit more about that. So first off, how did you hear about Chai Town? Um, so I heard about them when they actually came here to IU to play at one of the Indian Student Association's events. And I was just so floored by them because first of all, they're like really attractive men. And also they like have a really distinct musical style because you don't really hear about like Indian acapella specifically. Like you hear about acapella, of course, but like you don't really hear about like um, Hindi acapella, which was really interesting to me. So I like listen to everything they've done. So, like, I guess they have a big response that they evoke in a lot of fans. And so I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more, like, what you've seen in terms of, like, their fan culture and stuff like that. Or, like, who do you think, like, the music really most, like, I don't know, attracts, possibly? I really like this question because I have a very specific answer to this. Um, I think that, especially within the Indian diaspora and within the Indian community, there is a lack of role models who pursue like creative interests so i think that um, most of their following are indian american people or indian people who come to study in the united states like myself and i think seeing them reinforces the fact that you know asians or indian people specifically do not have to be confined to like studying engineering or like law or medicine um and they can pursue like creative interests um, and I feel like it's really important to have those kinds of role models who show you that we're capable of so much more and doing so much more. Um, I think also their fan culture is interesting because it's, uh, like, according to what I've seen, it's mostly women. Um, they are a very attractive group of men, which is a big plus, uh, but they can also sing well. And also their, their videos um, show just like very romantic scenes, I guess. Um, and that, I guess, stems from the expectation from Indian women, um, which I guess comes from Bollywood, um, of expecting men to do very romantic things, which is, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I think kind of makes them stand out, at least to me as like a first time <laughs> experiencer slash viewer, I guess, I'll say viewer, um, is that they have like very well um, choreographed and very well edited music videos mm -hmm. that I was really surprised by, like just by the fact that they were like very well done and like there's actually a lot of layers to it and like there's definitely some production value like that cake, um, <laughs> which maybe a little bit queasy because I was just like, oh my my god, if they don't do it right, it's gonna have to do another cake. Oh no, wasting <laughs> food. But um you guys will know if you like chat town. Um but like I was wondering if maybe you thought maybe that's also a reason that they stand out. Sometimes I think a lot of bands, especially a lot of international bands, will make music with maybe they like will only really like be popular in like I don't know, like the place that they actually come from just mm -hmm. because people will relate to it because of a language barrier mm -hmm. or things like that. But at the same time I think that some um artists in the past have become really big because of 
just kind of doing really ingenious things to get the audience like one of which mm-hmm. i think really is actually music videos like mm-hmm. i know people don't think we really like watch music videos anymore but we definitely do because yeah. i mean they're very entertaining um and so um i think that's like kind of part of it and i was wondering if that wanted to talk about that at all like if after seeing them maybe you saw you, their youtube videos and also even more intrigued just because of the value and like the level of like artistry that they put into that too as well as their actual live performances yeah i think they they definitely put a lot of thought into it and i mean for sure like money um because you know the, it's just so well done and i think that adds like another layer to them to show that they're not just like talented musically but also creative like in other creative manners um and i think the the videos just add like add to their aesthetic more and um just show just just is able to connect to to their audience better because as far as i've seen i've not seen all of their videos but like the ones that i've seen three of their videos have like a a specific storyline which is also interesting to see um so i guess they're like storytelling through the song um and i feel like even though someone may not know the language the the video really helps connect to what's going on within the song um so i think that's really it's really cool what they do yeah i totally agree um also just in general i kind of wanted to ask you more about like any international music that you actually do listen to like is there anything that's really caught your interest maybe because of chai town or also just before chai town that really led you to like international music you could talk about it all um so when i was younger i kind of had this fascination for western music which came from a lot of like internalized ideas that i guess indian music or international music wasn't as good as english music and i i like kept listening to a lot of western artists which i mean they were good um to begin with but i guess i was shunning my culture in a way but coming here made me realize that you don't have to pick one or the other side um and you can value your culture while still exposing yourself to like other artists um so i think in terms of international music or what i guess americans would call international music i've been listening to like a lot of bollywood music since i was a child um my favorite actor is shahrukh khan and every movie that he's in has great music um and i've kind of been revisiting that genre of like hindi music which that isn't like a specific genre but like um you know it encompasses a lot of things that i heard in my childhood and i'm kind of trying to reconnect with i just created like a hindi playlist on my spotify <laughs> which really helps me and it like makes me feel very no- nostalgic about about home and about like indian people i don't have a lot of indian friends here um so when i listen to that playlist like it helps me connect to my culture more um i also listen to a lot of french music because i study Fr- uh, french at iu and um that's really cool one of my favorite french artists is stromar um and i don't know how to classify his music he just does a variety of things and i feel like he's also one of those artists who tell a story through his music so yeah it's really interesting so this is kind of the end of our interview um uh, thank you very much for talking to me about um chai town and indie music thanks yep uh and that's it for this segment In some countries, traditional music has played a role in political revolutions. 
Producer Catherine De La Rosa takes us through the history of her parents' home, the Philippines, as underscored by song. The Philippines' canon of folk music isn't as well documented as others, but one particular subgenre, kundiman, has held onto its place in history and politics through nationalism and propaganda. But first, here's a disclaimer. I was born and raised in Kentucky and can only slightly but not severely mispronounce the names of Filipino foods. So, I called my dad. Oh. Father? Yeah? Can I stick you on the radio? Uh, sure. Kundiman first appeared in the late 19th century at the height of Spanish rule. To their colonialist ears, Kundiman was the love song of the Philippines. That's partially a presentation put forth by Kundiman singers themselves, but from their conception, Kundiman were largely anthemic. Songs about love, suffering, and longing for the Philippines personified. Do you know how these words are pronounced? Yes. The song you just heard was a guitar arrangement of... Jocelyn... Man? Jocelyn Ang Baliwag by Florante Aguilar and Michael Dadap. It's a revolutionary anthem disguised as a courtship song for a beautiful woman that was composed before the Spanish-American War. Jocelyn is her first name. Her last name is Ang. Really? Yeah. I thought it looked like a white person name. No, Jocelyn is her first name, and Ang is her last name. It's Chinese. And the the the, the song is Baliwag. Baliwag is actually a, a, a town somewhere in uh, just outside Manila. It's kind of the same deception that let spirituals pass under the ears of slave owners in the American the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace and why not every man Kundiman retained a place in Filipino politics through American occupation and World War II. After the dissolution of the American insular government, politicians and their wives would sing Kundiman at campaign events and state dinners. First Lady Imelda Marcos was fond of... Oh, yes. The lyrics are roughly translated as Because of You I Yearn to Live, a sweeping love song that Imelda addressed to the nation that descended into poverty and fear under her husband's dictatorship. Filipino folk guitarist Freddy Aguilar recorded the more explicitly anthemic kundiman Bayan Ko, or My Country, in 1978 to protest Marco's kleptocratic reign. Its first line translates to My country, the Philippines, land of gold and flowers. And the rest of the lyric expresses the singer's wish for the Philippines to be free from the foreigners who conquered it, Spain and the United States, and, in the context of 1978, from oppressors at home. Bayanco rose to prominence in 1983 following the assassination of Marcos' political rival, Ninoy Aquino. Aguilar performed Bayanco at Aquino's funeral, and anti-Marcos protesters would blast the song from speakers and sing it at rallies. Aguilar would join Ninoy's widow, Corazon Aquino, on the campaign trail for the 1986 snap election, 
which led to the People Power Revolution of 1986, the deposition of Marcos, and the inauguration of Cory Aquino, the first woman president in Asia. Historical information and translations came from Christy N. Castro and her book, Musical Renderings of the Philippine Nation, and also from Christine Bacareza Balance of UC Irvine's Department of Asian American Studies. Jocelyn Ang Baliwak came from the documentary Harana, directed by Benito Batista. Didn't My Lord Deliver Daniel was performed by Paul Robeson. Right now, we're listening to Freddie Aguilar lead the crowd in singing Bayanco at a 1986 political rally for Corals on Aquino. Most Aquino and, uh, and the United are both corrupt. It's a very corrupt country. Special thanks to my dad. Anything else you think? For American Student Radio in Bloomington, this is Catherine De La Rosa. Obviously, people go to Lotus for world music, but outside the venues, you can't help but notice the local presence of people playing on the street. So Emily and I stopped to talk to some of them. Music fills the streets of Lotus as musicians take advantage of the large crowd, turning festival goers into their audiences. On one side of the street, a girl plays her violin, her case open in front of her where people have tossed in a few dollars. My name is Dahlia and I am busking. I am eight years old. It isn't Dahlia's first time busking at Lotus, and she's been playing the violin since age three. But her mom, Anne, says being at Lotus was Dahlia's idea. It's her idea, not mine. So I'm not a stage mother. I want to make that very clear. Her teacher said that it's a good idea and that it helps her develop poise and, and just confidence. Sitting surrounded by an assortment of drums, two people beat out a rhythm. I'm Anna Thomason. Seidu Kone from West Africa, Mali. The drums they're playing are handmade, each taking about a month to make. Seidu says he's been drumming for about 25 years, and Anna much less than that. They met at this drum circle last year, and they've been drumming together since. They say for beginning drummers, simplicity is key. Just try to keep a simple rhythm. (laughs) Yeah, simple rhythm. (laughs) Basically, don't... Don't try to make it too hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) On another corner is a trio of high schoolers. One of the boys, Brayden, introduced them. We're here to play some music tonight and have some fun together. Uh, We like playing jazz and all kinds of other assortments of music. This is Jonathan. He plays mandolin. This is Ben. He plays guitar. And I play violin. This performance on the streets of Lotus was their first time playing as a group. We haven't really busked as a group before, but like we all share a love of music. And uh, Lotus, I've been like every year my entire life. It's always a great experience, and I just wanted to be part of it this year. It's a symbol of Bloomington, because Bloomington is an amazing place. There are art festivals going on all the time, and Lotus is kind of the biggest and the culmination of everybody's hard work in this town to make music so, so great. For American Student Radio, I'm Abby Gibson. And then there's what happens tangentially to the music. It's a sort of vibe nearly indescribable, something composed of and by people. Sure, it's the musicians, but it's also the carefully constructed setting, the volunteers, and every face in the crowd. Lotus, from the seasoned volunteer 
to the collegiate festival goer. From the planned itinerary to the whimsical jaunt from venue to venue, there is an undeniable spirit tying everything together. My name is Bill Holliday, and for 25 years I was a writer and editor at the Indiana University Foundation, but now I am semi-retired. Mostly I get to enjoy what Bloomington has to offer, which is a lot. Okay. <laughs> the first year my wife and I, we're friends with one of the guys who started at Lee Williams, mm -hmm. and we heard about it from him, and he said, this should be fun, you should check it out. And at the time it was just intended, I mean, it was assumed that it would just be kind of a one-off, right. you know, that, that they would do this and it would be fun and then, you know, it would be a nice memory. But there were about 700 people <laughs> in three little bitty venues uh, downtown and everybody had such a good time that a stream, a steady stream of people myself and my wife included, came up to Lee the next day and said, that can't just be a one-time thing. You've got to do it again. And it kind of snowballed from there. And we told him that we would do anything that we could do to help make sure that, that it happened. Bill didn't immediately take on the signage committee, which he leads today. But after just a few years, he settled into the position. Mostly, probably for the last 15 years, I've been heading up the signage crew, okay. the the people who who hang the banners that say buy tickets here and this is the festival store, and, you know, kind of the the stuff that, well, it, it's important just to direct people where to go to do what, but it's also, it needs to be done in a way that represents the festival well, so it's kind of a branding thing also. I kind of handpicked a team <laughs> of people who I know would do it right. Uh, and my wife, Luann, used to be the assistant director at Lotus for 15 years. So she tapped me to be in charge of that, and I in turn got a bunch of people. So we've, we've, been, a, we've been a team for probably 15 years. He says he loves handling signage because it's a problem-solving job and because it leaves time to enjoy the festival. Once, once it gets to be about 6 o'clock, I'm free. <laughs> you know, that's when I start kind of making my little schedule and trying to figure out how many of these groups can I see. Other times, I just kind of wander around and let the, let the vibe direct me. The group I followed around at Lotus this year wasn't so different. So what are, who are you guys excited to see tonight? Lovitz. Lovitz. Anybody else? I haven't really even looked I, at the schedule much, to be honest. Let's just walk around and see what tickles our fancy. This is the first year I haven't come prepared, but I've had some, no, I don't, I don't have any, any particular. I know there's, before Movitz, there's like a, an Afro-punk band, and I'm excited for that. But I, unfortunately, I don't remember their name. As the sun sank, they attempted last-minute planning. E.U. Mogus and Julia Bauer talked about the band names they could pronounce. Femina. Femina. Oh, I'm, like... Femina, I was excited. I'm really excited for them. And then I'm also really excited for uh, Mokumba. Okay. And they were, like, in that last time slot. I think they were, like, an Ethio... High-energy... Afro-fusion, that's it, yeah. So, led by Miriam Mazel, we set out confusedly for neither of those bands. Where are we going? I saw you're from um, Eric. I don't know where we're going. Where are we going? I don't know the Ivy Tech. The Ivy Tech. 
And in the end, we didn't see the Austrian brass either. Are you trying to take us to the Ivy Tech tent? Yeah. You know it's like two blocks that way, right? Okay, let's go to that one and pretend like this is also Well, we put directional trust in Miriam, which retrospectively was a, was a poor idea. But we forgive her because she's fantastic. And we ended up at the Big Ten on 6th Street, our go-to ever since all of us first attended Lotus together junior year of high school. thoughts on the group no one had heard before or planned to see that evening. I'm feeling really lively and excited and just happy. I'm just really having, having a good time. It sounds like sex, love, and water all mixed together. I also really love like it converges bass and then like really active hi-hats. So it's an always moving song and there's, there's it's always, it feels like it's always a downbeat and I don't know how that's happened but it's fun to dance to. It's called, I think it's um, appropriate term would be R and R for rock and reggae. It has a dual meaning. Very, very relaxing. Yeah. What do you think, Sua? About the music? Yeah. I thought it was amazing. It was like an interesting blend of reggae, but it had some alt R and B vibes to it. I felt. I think it was really nice. Totally. It was really good. Yeah. It sounded about right. As it turns out, one of Bill's favorite Lotus memories is finding his favorite band in a similar fashion. Oh, my favorite band in all the world I never heard of until Lotus. Vessen, a Swedish trio that you may know. They uh, they were just a Swedish band that Lee decided to book, and we were just blown away. They, they are amazing, and they're also very likable guys. You know, these giant Swedes walking around Bloomington is kind of fun to, to encounter them. Another one of his favorite festival memories, he calls a lotus moment. There was a group called the Mammals. They were playing on 4th Street, you know, where 4th Street is blocked off between College and Walnut. And it was, it was an open stage. It, well, there wasn't a big tent at that time. This was probably 10 years ago. And they were playing and having a great time, and the crowd was having a great time. 
and I was right up front. Being right up front is one of the most universally appealing experiences, whether by chance or carefully planned for months. This year, Abby Gibson finally got a chance to touch the stage. I asked her about it as members of AWA checked equipment. So what is it about being the first one? I just, I've never been so close to the stage before. I'm so excited. Um, I've been listening to AWA all summer in preparation for this night. Um, I hope they look at me in the eyes. And it happened to be a full moon that night, which occasionally happens during Lotus. It's one of those magical things. The full moon is one of those magical things that happened this Friday as well. Though this year it was obscured by the clouds. You turn around and you see this giant moon coming up, you know, over campus or whatever. And I, I happened to look back to see if the moon was up. And not only was the moon coming up behind the, uh, just at, at that point it had uh, bridged the walkway between the parking garage and, and uh, Fountain Square. So there was this giant moon and the street, the block, whole block was just full of people all the way at least as far back as the garage. And the lights from the stage and the light from the moon were all shining and every single one of the faces that I could see had this big grin on their face. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Emily Miles. Hey, and we're back. We just had a dance party with Sophia, and now we'd like to talk real quick about our favorite things that happened Lotus this year. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, I have two favorite things. I'm, number one, I'm really sad that I missed AWA because I was volunteering the night they played, but I did hear them from my, from my venue, and I, I heard that song that just played. I was, like, dancing. But my two favorite things, I went Saturday night, I loved the Dole Foundation, which uh, they performed at the Picture Gallery tent, so on um, 6th, 6th Street. And it was um, bonger music. They're a group from London. They had, like, four drummers. So good. And then I saw Movitz, of course. Um, they were the last group to play, and it was just so great. But at the very end, the main singer, he um, got in the crowd, like, right where I was standing because I was, like, second row and so I got all these videos of him um like right there pointing at my camera and all that and it was just so fun yeah I think my favorite part was Awa because they held my hand and looked into my eyes um and it was just they were so good they I don't I think like with Movitz the crowd is just like excited to be there because they know but AY was different because people I think were expecting them to be good of course because most acts are but they weren't expecting them to be like next level like one of the best acts of lotus so you could get to kind of see like the energy like build and people like freaking out so it was awesome yeah totally my favorite moment might double as my most embarrassing moment (laughs) um i actually like waited outside to just tell like the members of awa that they were so incredible because i was like taken um and I talked to um, the front woman of the of the group, and she was like, yeah, well, when we come back next, uh, we might, you know, talk with you a little bit. And I was like, all right. But also I made a fool of myself while trying to talk to her, so, so yeah. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, so that's a wrap on our show all about Lotus and international music. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to check back next week at noon for the glorious voices of Taylor Haggerty and Catherine De La Rosa. The subject of discussion, hair.
Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. We're produced by students from Indiana University in Bloomington. Follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice and like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash American Student Radio. Our theme music is provided by Lunamatic. Check out Lunamatic's music at www.soundcloud.com slash Lunamatic. That's L-U-N-A-M-A-T-I-C. We'll have new episodes every Sunday on WIUX and streaming on our website at www.americanstudentradio.org. 